weeks, I was getting hundreds of emails a day demanding that I resign. Welcome, Andrew, to the World XP Podcast. It's been uh, been forever. I think you're the latest in a long line of, hey, it's <laughs> been forever. Last I checked, we were in high school, and then you turned out to be a pilot. So here you are. Also, yes. congratulations on your school board. We'll call it We'll call it an election because they voted for you. The people voted <laughs> for you. you really. But I appreciate technically, it. Technically, in a, it's an appointment, but welcome. Thank you. As you said, it's, you know, it's been a while. You know, it seems like just yesterday we were running the halls of Briarwoods, and now I'm already, you know, losing hair and putting on the dad bod. So, you know, time is unfortunately flying very fast. <laughs> uh, too fast, isn't it? Also feels like we've kind of lost the last two years with, with COVID. Yes. Yes, which, unfortunately so. Yeah, it is quite unfortunate. I think there's to a couple of different some some people took it and ran with it and others i don't know i think i did both honestly like we got the podcast going on and then also i'm still inside playing fifa so. <laughs> <laughs> yeah i don't think i can i don't think it's appropriate to say i'm thankful for covid but there were a lot of things that happened during covid that would not have happened otherwise so in my case i think things worked out the way they were supposed to work out um like i don't really think i can say i'm thankful that that covid happens i don't think that's culturally appropriate at the moment no i don't think anyone's really grateful would have been nice if it was just a big snowstorm instead for two years like we, <laughs> we could be grateful for that maybe I, I hate the winter weather so i think that would have been just as miserable for me but ah, uh, all right but yeah well all right so you went to purdue you studied flight so there's two. So for those listening, there's two sort of subjects that Andrew will. He probably will say he's not an expert in the second, but I'm just going to say he is anyways. <laughs> so he's a, a commercial pilot, and then he's also been elected to the school board in Loudoun County. Which for those listening uh, who've been paying attention to the news, Loudoun County schools and all sorts have been. Um, we'll say shit's hit not shown in the greatest light. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So. We'll go with one, and then maybe if he's got time, if we run out of time, then we can get him back on for the second one. Which one? Let's see. I think since the school board is more current, we can start with that, but we'll go through kind of the background and how you got up to that first. So you sure. want to walk us through kind of after high school, what you did, and then how you, how you ended up where you are now? Sure. So I graduated from Briarwoods back in 2014 and knew from basically freshman year of high school that I wanted to be a pilot. And so there aren't many schools throughout the country that have a good flight program. Purdue is where I ended up because I wanted a school that had decent sports teams. In addition to aviation, I didn't want to just be stuck with aviation 24-7. And so I went to Purdue. Unfortunately, our sports were not the greatest for the three years I was there, but it was still a good time. We're, we're, we're good now, so it's, uh, it all works out. Um, but I graduated from Purdue in 2017 and then ended up teaching for Purdue in their flight program for a year to get the hours that I needed to become a commercial airline pilot, which in the U.S. is 1,000 hours. And then in June of 2018, I started training with my current airline based out in D.C., and I have been there since. I fly all over the East Coast, um, Midwest, some international stuff. I don't really like the long haul flying, and so it's, I, you know, about three-hour flight time is the limit for me because my back starts hurting and I get uh, just kind of fidgety. So um, graduated Purdue, taught for a year, started training, and then moved back to Loudoun County and saw a need for a fresh perspective in our community. 
And kind of around the same time, I started reflecting on my time in LCPS and realized that while LCPS likes to pride itself as being one of the top school systems in the area, there are still a lot of negative experiences that our students go through that don't really reach the eyes and the ears of the adults in the school. And so being the oldest of five kids, I really started worrying that a number of the same things that I went through as a student, I, I, I was worried that my own siblings were going to go through the same things because there hadn't been much positive change in certain areas such as mental health and, and bullying. And so I decided to do the impossible and run for public office as a 23-year-old kid uh, fresh out of college. Or I guess really I started my campaign when I was 22, so I was even younger. And it was really trial by fire. I had no political experience. I, it was almost like a spur-of-the-moment decision where I just thought, huh, you know, this, this is something that I feel like I can do and do well. And so ran in 2018 and 2019. The election was in November 2019. As I said, it was really just me learning everything from the ground up. I didn't have a political party backing me. I was out knocking doors by myself. I was you know, delivering things in the mail by myself. A lot of it, a lot of my campaign was self-funded. And unfortunately, that November, the election did not go as planned. Um, but then in August of 2021, the lady who beat me in the election unfortunately passed away. And so there became a vacancy for her seat. And a couple of weeks after her passing, I decided to put my name forward and to be considered for the next 14 months of her term, uh, Miss Leslie King. And then there was a process where the seven of us who put our names forward were questioned by the other eight members of the school board on a number of things such as literacy, community involvement, vision for the future. And then from there, there was a public vote right before the next school board election, and I was appointed. And so, you know, it's a- after the election, the first election back in 2019, I, I kind of was in a, a dark area because I really thought I did everything correctly um, to try to win the election. And so the election day result was a big shock for me, but I, I had too much, I, I guess, um, connection to LCPS to simply just walk away and move across country and try to start over where I, I didn't think that was the end of my time trying to contribute to our schools. And so um, really, I wish that Miss King hadn't passed away and she was still representing the board, but I, I recognized that there was an opportunity for me to put my name forward again and try to make a meaningful difference in our schools and so that's kind of where we're at now I, I i think tomorrow is the one month anniversary of my appointment and my term expires next december 31st but i will be running for re-election in just under a year next november in the general election for um the remaining one year of, it's going to be a special election for the last year of miss king's term gotcha well We'll have to get you back on then, get you some campaign support, you know, <laughs> all sorts. All right. So for those, uh, myself included, who have no idea what a school board does or is supposed to, well, we'll say is supposed to be doing and then we'll say what they're actually doing. Um, what is the job of the school board, assuming that everything is done like, I don't even want to say by the book, but like, what is there? Well, like, what's... What are they supposed what, to be what, doing? What are my responsibilities? Yes, roles? yes. So for those who don't know, uh, it's the, the term school board member kind of varies geographically in a lot of parts of the U.S. Um, instead of a school board, it's called a board of education. 
And so depending on where you are, if you have a board of education, that's really the same thing as a county school board. And here in Loudoun, we are in charge of creating the budget for LCPS. And so last year, that was right around $1.4 billion, which is almost 70% of the county's billion with a B. Yes, I don't know how many zeros that is, but it's it's, it's a very big portion of the budget. It's about 70% of the entire county's budget goes to the schools. We deal with all the policy revision and policy creation. And so every five years, we are required to review each and every policy in our entire school system, which there are hundreds of policies. And so we spend a lot of time working on those policies. We deal with the hiring and firing of superintendents. So Dr. Ziegler was hired as superintendent, I want to say back in June was when he was fully hired after um, Dr. Williams left back in January. And then we also, you know, our, our biggest role is to be the eyes and ears or to be the representative of our community because they are the eyes and ears of what actually goes on. And so I, that, that's not um, really part of the legal definition of a school board member, but if we are not listening to our constituents and taking their experiences and their thoughts and their viewpoints and creating that into policy, then we really aren't doing our, in my eyes, we aren't doing our role as a good school board member. And so there are a lot of things that public things that we are in charge of that we decide that we really have no control over. Um, there are a number of things that we have to follow the state of Virginia on. You know, we can't just create our own rules for athletics because we have to follow the VHSL rules. Uh, when it comes to mask mandates, there's still Virginia codes, which require certain things. And so, yes, we have certain authority over a lot of the decisions that go on in LCPS, but there's quite a bit that school members can't do. And one of those things is run the day-to-day operations of the LCPS of, of the school system. So that is the role of Dr. Ziegler as a superintendent. And that is again, coded by law. And so I know one of the, the recent decisions that the public wasn't happy with was the vaccine mandate for student athletes in high school. And that was a decision that had no board input whatsoever. That was something that Dr. Ziegler decided on his own and he had the legal authority to do so without having the board vote on that. So I know the board was getting a lot of emails saying, you know, how could you do this? This is wrong. Is that and at the end of the day, doesn't matter what we think, but you know, the only way of changing that would be to fire the superintendent, but you know, we're not going to do that for a single decision that he makes. Gotcha. So you mentioned a couple of things that I think is interesting. The first is that, uh, so out uh, in Fairfax, I would drive by like some soccer fields or I was training somebody or whatever. There's often these protests about mask mandates and vaccine mandates. And what you said makes me wonder. Uh, so I guess the question is really, are people just misinformed then maybe about what you guys can and can't do? And if that's the case, so like when when somebody writes you it like writes you an email saying like how how could this decision happen? Is there like to be the eyes and ears of the community kind of like like you were saying? Is there kind of a um I'm trying to formulate this in, in the right way? Is there kind of a like a if he's to make this decision about the we'll say the student athlete one for example? Should they be the protesters be kind of? I guess aimed at at his decision 
verse or is there some, something that you guys can do to hey to be like hey maybe you shouldn't do this because all of the parents who have elected us are not very happy with that there so yes and no there are i mean like i said at the end of the day we have the authority to fire and rehire any superintendent who we seem fit and so if the board as a whole is not happy with dr Zipper's performance that is something that we can take control of outside um, of that because that's kind of drastic to do for for one thing i mean right i mean and there there are i mean i i suppose we can express our concerns to dr ziggler we can have an informal you know kind of a straw poll saying you know the board is, is not in favor of this decision that you made um and, and kind of try to explain differing viewpoints and kind of push back a little bit for certain decisions that he makes but like i said at the end of the day in in terms of virginia law he is granted the authority to do certain things and yes there are residents in loudon who email him directly and during public comment will yell at him directly for decisions that he makes uh, but then we also do get some of i mean i've gotten a number of emails demanding that we fire dr ziggler for a number of issues that have happened in the last couple of weeks and at the end of the day i need to ensure that my vote to keep him or not keep him is based on actual data and facts and not just based on emotion because unfortunately there's been a lot of misinformation being spread around and i can't make a knee-jerk reaction on a major decision such as firing or voting to fire a superintendent because um qualified individuals for that position are hard to come by and again i need to make sure that i'm not just listening to a vocal minority or reading misinformation in the news and make my decision based on that and so um I, I i guess i could see the anger coming to us and dr Schigler because at the end of the day we control his job but we also need to respect that there is a legal divide between our roles and his role gotcha yeah that makes sense and if i struggled to formulate questions i'm trying to wade through the sort of relationship <laughs> in my head between the yeah. state and you guys and him and kind of how it all ties mm-hmm. together because so for like people are upset with the mask mandates as well, but if that's a state function, that's not even Dr. Ziegler's function it's, or nor yours, but people just seem to be upset generally about a lot of different things. And it makes it difficult when I think people are, I feel like the school board is an easy target to throw anger at. I was going to say the same thing. We are, we are very accessible. We are more accessible than you know, our representatives down in Richmond. Mm-hmm. historically or even uh congresswoman wexton uh here in loudon and so um it's it's easy for us to become just a scapegoat for a lot of decisions and you know there are things that the board has passed over the last couple of years that i have not i wouldn't have supported but at the end of the day you know i i need to recognize that i'm one vote in order to make change i need to get four others to go along with me and so with that comes compromise and recognizing that it can't be my way or the highway because nothing would ever get done that way. And so, um, yes, we, we are, I would say the, the easiest to, to go after, um, for a lot of these decisions. Gotcha. Is that hard? Well, so you've been in it for a month tomorrow. What has that proven difficult for you? Uh, and in, in terms of kind of you get this email and you want to like bash your head against the wall because it's not your response like you didn't do like 
you didn't do it or the responsibility doesn't lie with the school board or like somebody else made the decision and you have no control over it. Does that happen? Does that happen to you? Or has oh, yeah, that been happening to I you? mean, it's my, my first two weeks, I was getting hundreds of emails a day demanding that I resign for things that happened months ago that I had nothing to do with. And so oh, for, for a couple of weeks, it was, it was kind of just in that, that comical phase where it was kind of funny how people were so uneducated that they were making demands uh, for things that they really didn't fully understand. And then a lot of the emails I was receiving were from people out of state and even people who weren't <laughs> in, the, in the U.S. You know, I, I remember one email from someone over in uh, the U.K. who, who said that um, she is so glad that her daughter is not in American schools because we're a disgrace. And if we were in the U.K., we'd all be in jail. And I, I didn't respond because, I mean, I, there's nothing... There's nothing to say no, to somebody. There's like nothing that. to say there, but I just wanted to say, like, well, good thing we're not in the UK because, you know, it, it's just, it, it's mind-boggling. It, I mean, it, some of the emails have been very eye-opening. I mean, I received one saying that they were going to come to our houses and drag us into the street and teach us a lesson um, with a lot of expletives, you know, mixed in there. Um, and that's just like, it's no wonder our kids are struggling so much with, their mental health when this type of behavior is done by adults. It's like, who in their right mind would, would say that to someone who one, they've never met and two, just like hide behind an email and do it. Yeah. It's just, it's unfortunate that that's where we've gotten to as a society. Um, And like I said, I, I guess I can't be too surprised that a lot of our kids are struggling with harassment and bullying because if adults are doing it, then kids are going to do it too. Yeah, it's very easy to just hide behind the screen and or behind the keyboard and, and say those sorts of things. Have one, so I want to get back to those emails in a little bit, but how do we sort of teach people what, like, educate people on what actually is your responsibility, what you can control, what you can't control to kind of and like, okay, this is the superintendent's decision. This is Richmond's decision. This is Richmond being the state, the state government. Um, like how do we, how do we get that sort of information out there? Because I, I've not been paying very much attention. So, but, but for people who live there and have children in the schools that kind of don't really understand how it all flows together, how do we get that sort of information out there to those people? So we can have a more, I'll say peaceful relationship between kind of you guys and, and the constituents and more like because at the end of the day we want the, the goal should be for all the kids to go through school and have a good education and to feel like they belong and like all these things but it seems like that's not what's going on so how do we get that sort of information out there so we can all come together for that well what should be the goal if you have an answer to that or if anyone who's watching this has an answer to that please email me because i would love to know the answer Unfortunately, we as a society are very uneducated when it comes to um, government operations in the different branches. I mean, um, I, I think I could go out to the street today and ask 100 people just at a grocery store if they can name their elected officials or even the roles of a lot of the um, county administrators, such as the treasurer or the clerk of the court or commissioner of the revenue or commonwealth attorney. And really, the only one that they could really say a solid definition for would be the sheriff because you know that's kind of just one of the, the straightforward ones where everyone knows what the sheriff does but 
when you don't even know the roles and responsibilities of the people such as the treasurer or the commissioner of the revenue. Um, you know, yeah, you may know who that person is, but it's, it, it, it's really, it boils down to just a lack of education, people not wanting to put in that effort because it's very easy to just show up on election day and just get a, a printout of all the Democrats running or all the Republicans running and just vote straight down the ballot. And so until there's a shift that encourages people to actually do their own reading and research, I don't know a good way because I feel where we're at today as a society is people will believe what they want to believe and they'll find a new source that tells them that matches what they want to believe. And so, you know, I can come out there and say, you know, Hey, I, you know, I can respond to these emails and saying, Hey, this is not my decision. And those people will just be all angry because they think that I'm trying to hide something um, or I'm not doing my job properly. And so, Thankfully, there, there's a decent portion of the community who is well-informed and well-educated. They are level-headed, level-headed. Um, but there are people on both sides who just, they have their blinders on. They don't want to believe anything other than, you know, what their media source of choice is just feeding them or telling them. Yeah, don't disagree at all with anything you said. For those, we'll, we'll, give, we'll give people the benefit of the doubt. And for those that do you want to know, is the information accessible, very easily accessible? Is it on like the Loudoun County like government website or something like that? In terms of like the roles, responsibilities of yeah. the, the various elected officials? Yeah. Yes. Yeah. So you can get, um, I mean, I, I know this goes against everything that we were taught in high school, but Wikipedia has a lot of good information on the roles of um, a lot of these elected positions. And so it, it varies from county to county. Not every county has the same term or the same um, occupation. As every other county, you know, Loudoun is a very big county, and so we have a lot of different roles. If you go out to southwest Virginia and, you know, one of these rural counties with a 1,000 residents, you know, you're not going to have all these different roles and responsibilities. Um, But there are a lot of nonprofit websites out there that are are dedicated to just making kind of the political process more open and accessible and honest. And so there are a lot of good, not, in in my opinion, non-biased media sources out there. Um, you seem to know how to find them, not just go to your favorite section of your browser and you know, click on CNN or Fox News or, or some of the other more, far more polar sources out there. Yeah. Yeah, well, go look it up, people, and stop yelling at the school board. <laughs> yes, unless, some things, unless... are, all, some things are, all, are our fault, but uh, not, not everything. Yeah. Only yell at them if it's their fault. Yep, uh, exactly. So just going back to the emails, you mentioned like you want to reply and say it's not your decision. Have you have you ever re- like replied to those or do you just ignore, mostly just ignore them? Um, I, I would say it's a, <laughs> it's a mix of both. Um, and I, I, I remember I did respond to one and I just want, and I um, said something along, along the lines of, are you aware that I was not appointed until two and a half weeks ago and had nothing to do with this decision? And I actually did get a response um, apologizing uh, for lumping me in because a lot of people will just send an email to the entire board mm-hmm. and not recognize that I am new. Um, like I said, a lot of these people are from out of state. So they just, they, they Google Loudoun County School Board, see my name listed and automatically assume that I'm one of the bad guys. And yeah. so, you know, some people are able to admit that they're wrong and apologize. Other people will, um, <laughs> I ended up getting blocked on uh, on Facebook because I responded to someone um, yelling, him yelling at me for, I don't even remember what it was. 
Um, I'm legally not allowed to block anyone from my social media pages because it's right. it's a public page. And so, um, you know, I always tell myself, oh, don't respond. It's not worth it. But then occasionally some of the claims that they're saying are just so ridiculous that I, I want to be like, are you serious? And um, this one person, I guess I found enough holes in his argument that he was frustrated enough that he was blocked me. So, well, um, that's a win. But again, that one, and that person was from Tennessee. So I think I brought the fact, like, um, I, I don't remember what I said, because it was just his, his points were just so far out there. And, um, I, I tend to respond to the comical ones, you know, things that I think are just like so ridiculous. Um, be but careful, yeah, be careful with that. Sooner or later, you'll, <laughs> sooner or later, you'll get too many and then you'll be in the, over your head. I, I will say, I mean, it's, I, I get there, there's this one person who lives out in Lovettsville who she will send us the same email word for word 50 times a day. And, um, you know, I, I just have a, a filter in my email inbox. So, um, any email that comes from her just goes straight trash, um, because it's, it's just yelling at us. It's, um, really things that don't even make sense. She uses, uh, caps lock quite a bit, mm, uh, which really detracts from her statement. Um, and uh, like I said, it's just, just word for word, the exact same thing 50 times a day, every single day. Uh, I will say, though, she ends every email saying best and then her name. So at least she ends it on a positive note after, you know, yelling at us for, for two paragraphs. But I mean, it's just, and I, I will say there are thousands of parents and constituents here in Loudoun who are very level-headed. They care deeply about the education and we are able to have some very meaningful conversations. I've had three town halls already where we've had some, there, there have been some, very vocal people who didn't want to hear anything else uh, who have come, but we've had a number of very good, deep, meaningful conversations. And that's, you know, I would say the majority of the county is like that, but unfortunately they kind of get drowned out from the vocal critics on both ends of the political spectrum. And so, um, you know, I don't want to imply that Loudon is full of crazy people. Um, but like I said, there are, there are people on both sides who just, um, I don't know how to say this nicely, but no, um, we we all know they are. What yeah, they are. I don't think they I need to to go further uh, with that. But yes, there there are plenty of level-headed people allowed, and, um, and I do, and I I really enjoy having those types of conversations with constituents, even if I don't agree with them. Um, you know, it's, as as a as their representative, I've made clear that I can't commit to voting the way that they want me to vote one hundred percent of the time. Because I think that's unrealistic for any representative to promise. But what I can promise is that their voice will be heard and their perspective will be heard regardless or not, regardless of whether or not, you know, I, I vote the way that they want. And so that's, people have been happy with that response. You know, they're, they're happy that they feel that they're getting heard because that's something that they just didn't feel like they had for a very long time was a yeah. voice. Yeah. No, that makes total sense for sure. So I want want to jump into like the real life version of these emails now <laughs> and so maybe i, I, I mean these, these are all these are all public um these are all public emails so anyone uh, any email that gets sent to me every text message that i send is a public record and so if you wanted to you could request any one of my emails um and that is public um public knowledge and so i mean like these are all the emails from that one lady where it's, it's not just quite, the same it's not thing quite in the screen but yeah oh sorry yeah so it's i mean it's 
I mean, it's like I said, it's, um, no, it's all good. Yeah. It, it's a mess. <laughs> so there were several school board meetings, um, that went into the national news for reasons that we won't get into here due to legalities and stuff, but did, were those before you were on the school board? Yes. Yep. So, so the ones that where, where people were actually arrested, those were back in June of 2021 and I was appointed in October. Were you, you weren't there, were you? No. Okay. So have there been any, uh, we'll call it rowdy ones since you've been appointed where, cause it, and the reason why I ask is because aside from the obvious reasons, but I've heard, I've heard several accounts of different meetings, not just the one in question where people were arrested, but where there were protesters and the school board shut down the meeting for whatever reason. Has the sort of like the vitriol remained from the parents in that way, like in the the most recent school board meetings, or has it kind of calmed down a little bit? So I obviously I'm indoors in the admin building for the meetings. And so I don't know what goes on outside in the parking lots. I do know that there are rallies for which every school board meeting. Um, I know this past board meeting, there was a rally uh, hosted by Loudoun Education Association, and they were supporting collective bargaining for all teachers and staff members. But then there was also a rally for Fight for Schools, which is a parent-led organization um, who has a lot of uh, topics that they typically address as a parent group. And they're the ones who are kind of leading the charge for the recall letters or the recall campaigns and petitions for the other school members. In terms of the actual indoor portion of the meetings, I mean, we get yelled at during public comment for an hour and a half every two weeks. Um, but currently people are not allowed indoors during public comment section session. I hope that changes for our next meeting, uh, because I don't support keeping people out in the cold, especially with winter quickly approaching. Sure. Um, but that, that, that has led to a little bit more civility because people aren't in the boardroom during public comment, but you know, pe- people are angry. Uh, they're frustrated. They don't feel like they are getting the truth or the full truth. Um, and so, you know, I, I can't fault them for being frustrated and stressed. Um, and, you know, many of them do have very valid concerns. And that's, you know, I, I've been able to address a lot of concerns already, but there's just so much. I mean, it, it's it's too much for me to do on my own, especially as a brand new board member where I'm still trying to learn the ins and outs and go out and visit the schools in my district to make relationships with principals and the staff members and the, the students. Um, I'm going to Broad Run tomorrow for the first time. I was at Briarwoods yesterday for the first time. That's just the first two schools of 25 to 30 in my district. And I'm already a month in and just haven't had a chance to really do anything else because it's just been, I've, I've been slammed. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I've seen some of the videos of some of the, like the speeches, uh, like what, does everyone get like, was it like 90 seconds or whatever? Or two minutes 60, or 60 minute. seconds. Yeah. So I've seen some of the ones, like a couple went viral. I think one from, um, what's his name? Matt Walsh, I think his name is. That, that one. was before my time. Yeah, so it was before you as well. So when when you, 
inevitably get one that goes viral again. <laughs> what is sort of, so I guess, I guess the question from the parents would be like, okay, so now we're like, you're saying that they're being heard, but it's like now at what, like what can actually be done about the concerns? Like what, what would be the process for, um, we'll say policy X, X, Y, Z, policy X, Y, Z that needs to get that people feel very strongly about what the school board has maybe not supported uh, and the parents want it to pass. Uh, Like what's the process for getting something passed from like public support and what sort of considerations go into forming a new policy or, or changing a existing one? So in order for anything to pass, you need five board members to support it. And so that is a majority. We're a nine-person board. Now, when it comes to considerations, there are quite a bit of stakeholders who we need to address, students, parents, staff members. But then also we have our division council, who is our attorney. There at every board meeting who we're able to ask questions and get his input on whether or not this matches Virginia Code, whether this matches any uh, federal laws or codes that we have to follow, or even county ordinances. And so it, it's not as simple as just making a policy and, and calling that a day. You know, there, there's a lot of stakeholders who need to be addressed before anything gets put or passed by us, because if we just scramble and pass a very hastily written policy, that could lead to a lot larger issues down the road. And so when you uh, consult, we'll say, we'll say consult with these stakeholders, what sorts of uh, inputs are you looking for? Uh, Especially given like, so you've got the parents, we could say that they've made their voices heard by yelling at everyone. All right. I should not generalize. So you've got the parents, you've got like, do like the teachers as well and then the students and your the lawyer that's at like you got your lawyer or counsel like what sort of inputs are you looking for from from those people to like determine the ins and outs because every little policy has a nuance that maybe somebody might like and somebody else might not like and so you've got to kind of come to a compromise with a lot of those things so how does that all work out like if you're gonna if you're gonna go through you're like okay we got this policy and we need to talk to the whoever, but then you get to writing it. And like, when it gets towards the end, I would assume you don't really go back to the parents. So like, how's that like um, the, (laughs) the sausage making process? Like, how does that, how does that work? So it's typically the policy start out in committee, which we have quite a few committees from finance and operations, communication, outreach, discipline, um, student services. And so, Similar to our, our U.S. Congress, that is just a, por- a smaller portion of board members. So for us, it's three-person per committee. And then we also have staff contacts. So for me, I'm the chair of the Finance and Operations Committee. And uh, Sharon Will- Willoughby, who is the – I'm going to butcher her official tell here. She, she's uh, basically in charge of all the, the finance uh, for, the, for the county or for LCPS. And so she is there as well as some of her staff members to provide input and guidance on certain policies or more information on how things are done. And so if we wanted to pass a policy that was related to finance, it would start in committee. 
talk about it, get input, draft a, a draft a policy, um, get more staff input from it. And then we come back to us as committee members. And then if we vote for that to go to the full school board, then it would go to the full board for what's called an information item where it's just introduced to all of us. And then um, at our next board meeting, then it'll likely nine times out of 10, it'll go up for vote. And if it passes that, then it go that, then it's full policy. If, uh, but they can also vote to send it back to committee, which would send it right back to the, the smaller committees, the finance and operations committee to iron out some of the concerns. Now we also have a number of committees that rely on to provide feedback, such as SEAC, MSAC, and equity committee. So SEAC um, is the special education advisor committee. MSAC is minority student uh, academic achievement committee. And so we have a number of these community organizations that are made up of community members. And that's where we get a lot of good input from policy because they do meet monthly. They are able to provide more of the knowledge representing certain communities. Like I said, the, the CIC Committee Special Education Advisory Committee, their input and perspective is very important because a lot of times the um, students who are in a special, special education program can't speak up for themselves. And so if we don't listen to the input of the special special education TAs and teachers and deans and the parents, then we're not doing everything that we can do to ensure that the policy is good for our special education students and even teachers. And so um, that's kind of just a, a brief rundown of, you know, who we look to, but then also the, the sausage making, as you said, process of it all. Gotcha. So is there a better time where, where maybe to, to not use a special, special education one as the example, because I, I want to get back to that in, in a little bit, but where a, where it goes to like, obviously it won't go to like a, a full vote with all the parents and stuff, but is there, is there somewhere where they're informed that this is in the process of being worked on mm-hmm. um, thoughts, comments, concerns, et cetera. Yep. So every one of our agendas is required to be public per Virginia law. And so, and all of our meetings are live streamed and posted on lcps.org. And so any parent, if they wanted to, could follow along and watch all of our committee meetings and see everything that is brought up. A lot of people don't, they just pay attention to the overall big board meetings. But a lot of times that's too late because all the ins and outs and minor details have already been addressed in the committee. And so if they want, and all of our meetings have options for public comment. So if someone feels strongly about certain policy that is being proposed, they can very easily come to our committee and share their thoughts. We don't get a lot of people to do that. Um, but, you know, it's, we, we do take input throughout the entire process. Gotcha. That makes sense. That's good to know because I, from my outside understanding of kind of what's going on i feel like people think that they don't have a chance to do that mm-hmm. so that's really yeah, there's plenty of chances it's just people i mean people are busy you know i, I can't yeah for them. sure for sure okay i want to get to the special education part real quick well m- might not be real quick i was requested to well that's not true <laughs> so the special education uh portion obviously for those who've been following the podcast, I had a special education attorney on. Um, 
And it was interesting to get his perspective because it feels like there's a disconnect between um, the, I'll say the teachers slash administration and uh, special education sort of attorneys and and that side. And so when when you hear his perspective, like he's a he's a very reasonable person. You're like, yeah, all this makes sense. So why is it not happening? Is is often the question that came up in my head and I understand there's uh considerations with with budgets right like there's only so much money to go around teachers are I don't know if they're quitting I've heard they're quitting but I don't know if that's actually the case and then there's only so many like there's only so much that can go around for one kid as harsh as that might sound it's just I feel like the reality of the situation for the people that are running the day-to-day operations of the school so if you I guess just share your thoughts on on the situation a little bit. Sure. So I am actually the school board representative for SEAC, uh, Special Education Advisory Committee. And so it's an area that I have to admit that I was not, I still am not too familiar with because there's just so much, there's so many different aspects of it. And our students with IEPs, uh, individualized education plans, um, is continuing to grow. I mean, I think we're up to almost 10,000 students with IEPs now. And so it is a, it's over 10% of our student body here in LCPS. Um, and a lot of the concerns who I've, so I've, I've been talking with our SEAC president and I've had one call with her already. Uh, I have another call coming up here soon with a number of her concerns. Um, they really just feel that they're kind of the redheaded stepchilds, you know, that they are, proposing meaningful policies and changes, but they just are not getting the type of response from the county that they would hope. And so I know there's a bit of a rock relationship between SEAC and our county. And I think that's true with a number of jurisdictions here in the state of Virginia and probably countrywide. Um, But to answer your question as to why, things aren't happening the way they're supposed to. I, I wish I had a good answer for that, but to well, me, it's just as shocking. Like, why are, like, like, why are things not, because we can all speculate on that. Probably for each kid, there's a different and unique reason why, mm. but just from the standpoint of, again, like I was saying earlier, the, the goal should be kind of, or you want the kid to get the best education that they can. And I, I would, I would hope and pray that if, you somebody's working in education that that's not their goal like well that we can for the purposes of this conversation we can kind of like throw those people out because that's not really who i'm talking about if everyone has the same goal there's got to be like a disconnect somewhere because and i'm probably not the person to do this but it seems like there needs to be a conversation to be had between like Maybe I, I don't really know, you know, I don't really know. I've just heard things from both like the teacher side. They're like, we have too many students. Like we have too many of this, like we don't have enough resources. We don't have enough of this. And uh, like the attorneys who are like, well, the kids should be getting this because it's in their plan. It's like, yes, both are true. So like, I don't know. Yeah. Um, I, 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 I don't buy the belief or the phrase that people say that, oh, there's not enough room to budget. Our budget is $1.4 billion. There's plenty of room for everything. It's just a matter of priorities. And 
special education, to be frank, just has not been a priority for many for a very long time. And so is it a, a lack of resources? We're short on special education teachers. I can tell you that much. I mean, that's, we have, I think we, we got an update today on um, staff vacancies and I don't remember off the top of my head the exact number, but we have a number of vacancies. And so that is placing a strain on teachers. Um, not every school can offer the same type of special education program. And so there are a number of schools where it's, they can only offer certain parts, you know, for whether it's autism or, um, you know, it's uh, hearing impaired or, or blind students. You know, it's it's not like we can have those types of programs at every single school just because of, you know, we, we need to be, um, I don't know the proper way of saying it, but we need to be responsible with our resources and recognize that, if you know it's we only have one student in each category at every school that doesn't make sense to have program just for them at every school you know so it's some of it you know i I can recognize the fact that um you know not every school needs to have the same type of program um, but we need to ensure that we're doing what we can to actively recruit and retain these teachers because it's a very hard to fill position and it's a position that is it's a very tough job. You know, it's not, it, it's, you really, our specialization, special education teachers really have to be on their A game 100% of the time. And it's a very tough position to fill with subs because those who don't have the experience, um, you know, it's, you, you can't just take a random sub and put them in a, in a, in a very low functioning special education classroom and expect things to be done properly just because they don't have the training, they don't have the relationship for the students already. And so, um, you know, our, our SPED teachers are, are worn out, they're overworked, they feel underappreciated. Um, and unfortunately, where we're at right now as a country, it's just a very tough to fill position. I don't know if throwing more money at the problem would, would fix it. I think it might fix some of it, but um, at the end of the day, we also need to build a relationship between our special education community and the county because, like I said, it's it's a very broken relationship currently. Yeah. And if the people who you guys know who you are, if I've misrepresented what you said in any way, please let me know because that was not the intention at all. I'm sure. Yeah, just let me know. And then maybe I can ask shoot a question to you later and maybe get maybe get people an answer. Um, but yeah, no, it's one of the, it's one of those where it's like, there doesn't seem to be a good, there's not an easy solution. And so this kind of is difficult because there's so many things to take into account that it makes it, it makes it hard to, right. especially if somebody feels like if you feel passionately about it, like, well, why don't you just do this? It's like, well, because that would do something else to that problem over there. Like, mm-hmm. um, Jeez. Are teachers leaving? Are teachers quitting? Have you guys been noticing that? Yep. Yep. Um, I can actually give you no sex numbers. We got that uh, information today. We get that um, weekly. Um, let's see. We, we get a hiring in term, hiring kind of breakdown in terms of resignations um, and retirements. So, this past week, um, we lost five. The week before, we lost nine. The week before that, we lost 17. The week before Ooh. that, we lost 13. And so, um, so far, 
this um oh sorry and that's just in resignations uh retirements we've lost three this past week so it's since july 1st we've had 60 retirements and 246 resignations now not all of that are teachers you know that's we have difference between licensed employees and classified employees and so um about a little more than half of those are classified which you know bus drivers Mm -hmm. um cafeteria workers janitors um but you know we've lost 96 licensed employees and those are typically the teachers uh since july so yes short answer (laughs) geez i didn't realize it was that much because um is that is that countywide or just your district um that that's lcps and so currently at the elementary level we have 48 vacancies including 22 special education vacancies nine school counselor vacancies middle school we have 18 vacancies five of which are special education high school uh, we have 30 vacancies, 10 of which are special education, three of which are school counselors. Um, so like I said, it's, we, we just have so many, it's, it's overall, we have 37 special education vacancies. Um, so I wish I had better data to share, but no, I mean, that's good as it is. Like, that's that's, those at. numbers are super shocking to me. And <laughs> I'm at the portion now where I've not run out of questions, but the questions that I want to ask, I feel like have no answers. And so, like, I feel like we're both aware of that. But mm-hmm. so is, is it, what do you think it is? Do you think it's some, is the COVID, is, is it the, like, vaccines and mask stuff, or is it just the Zoom, the Zoom teaching, or is it a combination of all of them, or is it not getting, a, not getting paid enough, or kind of all of the above, really? Like, have you, what have you been hearing, or have you been hearing things for why, they, for why they're leaving? I, I think it's a mix of everything. Um, you know, we're, we're past the Zoom teachings now, uh, but... Is there, any, is there any, like, inkling that is going to go back to that, or are you guys, you guys like, in person for sure? Uh, so we, we do offer virtual allowed, and so we, we do have a number of courses that are taught just virtually for students who, who need it, um, but students need to be in school. I mean, yeah. our our testing scores plummeted during COVID, excuse me, I'm and sure. it's, we need to be in school, point blank, end of story. Yeah. So, um, but, you know, it's, I, I think it's a mix of COVID scares, it's a mix of just the stresses of being a teacher nowadays it's i mean i've heard certain teachers not being fans of the direction of lcps um i think part of it has to do with you know vaccine mandates mask mandates and um you know that category of issues but you know it's i don't think there's one general reason why teachers are living you know it's not just because pay is i mean we're one of the highest paid school systems in the state um but it's just being a teacher right now is not, I mean, people become teachers because they have a calling, they have desire, they have passion for it. It's not one of those jobs where it's like, oh, I'll do this for five years, just pay the bills, then go on and do something yeah. else that I'll try. You know, it's, it's just not, it's not why teachers become teachers, you know? Jeez. I, uh, I've, I've disconnected myself from, sort of the schooling world generally Mm -hmm. 
Now, what I can say to you and everyone else who's watching, you know, if you can think back and remember a teacher who really made a difference for you, um, just search for them, send them an email, and, and send them a note of appreciation. Because right now, with the mess that we're in, you know, I can tell you that that will make a big difference in their day. Whether or not you think they remember you or not, I, I think you'd be surprised that if, if they made a difference in your life, you probably made a difference in theirs, and I can tell you that they'll remember you. So, um, like I said, if, if you have that one teacher who, you know, you can think back and just smile and be like, dang, they were great, you know, just shoot, shoot an email, say that, you know, it's, you still remember them, you think about them, and you appreciate things that they've done. And like I said, it's small things like that that can make a really bad week turn into a really great week. Yeah, that's a good point. Yeah, everyone listening, all 20 of you, go do that. (laughs) (laughs) We're going for 25 today, right? Yeah, we're going for 25. We're going for 25. (laughs) No, but no, that's a really good point. I hadn't even, uh, like I said, I've basically disconnected myself from Mm -hmm. almost all of that in general. Just I have my own thoughts and my own reasons why, but... No, that's yeah, that's good. So basically, you just took the next question that I had, which was, which was going to be like, it seems all doom and gloom. Like, how? What's? Are you hopeful? Are you? What's sort of your impression of of things moving forward? There is a lot of good that's happening in LCPS right now. Um, unfortunately, just doesn't get the attention that all the negative stuff gets. You know, we have. Um, you know, our academies of Loudoun, they just launched a high altitude weather balloon um, testing all sorts of different things in the atmosphere. You know, it's, we're, we're having great success in, um, you know, project-based learning, you know, allowing your students to get outside the classroom and do real world things like launching weather balloons or, um, you know, I know our geospatial sciences classes are really involved in the community assisting um, community businesses and organizations with a lot of the, the mapping and um, the various data behind things. I know um, one of our TKS classes went out to a winery to assist with data of grapes. And the town of Leesburg is uh, working with a number of our students to uh, work on, you know, like data collection and, and mapping that, that sort of area. And so um, LCPS is still... As a, GIS, <laughs> as a GIS person, it makes me happy. There, I mean, I, I am tackling some GIS issues right now because the... Uh, uh, the software that they're using just is not uh, really compatible with every student's Chromebooks, but you know, mm-hmm. I'm not going to get into the weeds on that, no, but um, you know, there's LCPS is still one of the top school systems in the state, if not the country. And so to focus on just all these negative things is short-sighted and, you know, I have to force myself sometimes to look at the positives because it is very easy to just read all the negative stories and be like, dang, you know, where do we go wrong as a county? I'm not saying we're perfect because by no means are we even close to that, but we have a lot of dedicated teachers, a lot of dedicated principals and staff members, dedicated parents, dedicated students. And Loudoun is, I mean, there, there's a reason why I still live here in Loudoun. You know, I know a lot of people from Briarwoods have moved on and explored other parts of the world, but I mean, I do the, this pilot for work, but you know, for me, there's nowhere else I see myself being right now. And so, um, my role is to try to make a difference to kind of fix the issues that are going on. But at the end of the day, we're still a great place. We're we're still rocking and rolling. Yeah, for sure. So how do we get the um, over the hump, I guess, how do we get sort of out of the weeds of all the negativity that's going on? How do we get past that? Cause I know parents are 
still very unhappy by it. I think what, what was the term called? I think they coined it like Chardonnay Antifa and like all this other stuff that's like going on. Like, I haven't heard we... that one. That's uh... <laughs> <laughs> I don't know. I forgot who coined it. How do we get out of all this? Because if everyone is still like yelling at each other, we can't, we're like, nobody's ever going to figure out that we just launched a weather balloon or we like, no one's ever going to figure that out. So how do we get through this? How do we get through this? So that's, part of the reason why I have remained independent and have denied party endorsements the entire time, because I feel we are divided as a county. We're divided as a community. We're divided as a country. And it's to the point where a lot of people don't want to talk to their neighbors who have different viewpoints and back to the ways of life where you can look at your neighbor, you can look at a friend and disagree with them on 50% of topics or ideas and still recognize that you can have meaningful friendship with them. And unfortunately, I just don't feel that we really have that cohesiveness right now. And so part of my goal is to kind of bridge that divide that our community is facing and kind of bring people back together and encourage them to have these deep conversations with people with differing views. And like I said, I've had three town halls already and we've been able to have a lot of these deep conversations. And, you know, even if people don't walk out of there with a different viewpoint, you know, at least they've had another perspective shown to them. And, you know, I'm not out trying to enlighten people or open their eyes to the world, but, you know, it's all I can do is try to facilitate, facilitate that discussion and hope that, you know, it goes back. And I know, I think we've each said a couple of times, just come back to compromise. You know, we need to recognize to meet in the middle and not just be pushing for, you know, way over here or way over here, you know, just, we, we all need to recognize that a lot of us have the same common goal, and that's to ensure that our students have the best education that they can get. And yes, there are different views on how we get there, but I think if people actually sat down and took away all the, the outside political noise, they recognize that they're really not all that far, far off. Yeah, I, I think so as well. And I think speaking for, for me personally, I would, well, I hate that it's got to this point. But as like, if my representative, if I felt that they were level headed and reasonable, even if I disagreed with them, I think that I would be happy at this, mm-hmm. at this, yeah. at this point. So I think that that's really good that you are, you've kind of taken that, that first sort of step and now you're, now you're in there and now you can start talking. Have you got that sort of feedback from a lot of the parents that even, even the ones that maybe you disagree with? Absolutely. I mean, if you look at my official Facebook page, um, 90% of the comments are thanking me for what I consider basic stuff, just being open and listening and having these conversations with parents and standing up for the injustices that they've seen go on for a very long period of time. And so, you know, part of me is like, it's, it's frustrating that I have to be thanked for <laughs> doing what I think I'm supposed to be doing. But at the end of the day, I'm, I'm glad that people are recognizing that, you know, I, I really am doing my best to make a difference and bring forth meaningful change for the county and the, and the school system. Yeah, that's awesome, man. But for shameless sure. plug, Andrew Hoyler, Broader Run District School Board Representative. Find me on Facebook. <laughs> You'll see all my updates there. Yeah, we'll I, don't know, I don't know the exact, uh, I mean, it's a pretty long uh, Facebook name. But you just search Andrew Hoyler School Board. You'll, uh, uh, have, you'll find me. I'll have all the shameless plugs you want. <laughs> we'll put all that stuff in the description as well. Um, just send it to me afterwards and we'll get all that stuff in the description. 
Uh, one last question, because I know you got to go. I wanted to talk to you about the pilot stuff, but I don't feel like we have enough time to really do that justice for all the questions that I have. Like you said, growing up near Dulles, I could ask you a gazillion questions, and I don't feel like we would do it justice. So at some point, we'll get you back on. We'll talk about that stuff. But one, uh, well, maybe last question, if something new doesn't pop into my head. What's next for you? So you're running, you want to run for re-election, obviously. And is that sort of the big the big thing for you? So like, what's on the sort of school board agenda in the near term future that you're focused on? And then the next couple, couple of years, what you got going on? So budget season is coming up um, here very shortly. We had our first introduction to a portion of the budget uh, this past Tuesday. January really kicks off budget season where it's meetings twice a week, every week for two months straight. And it goes um, live streamed as well. So the yep, people yep, can pop everything. their heads in. Okay. Yep. So if you care about the budget, pop your head in. All right, keep going. Yes, on, on TV, on um, online, they can also go in person if you put them out. Um, so the budget will be a pretty big, really the main topic for about a two-month time frame, two-and-a-half-month time frame. Um, and, I mean, that's that's really the, the big thing on the horizon. You know, it's the big cloud. I mean, it's over pushing $1.5 billion, but we have – to be respectful, responsible of, you know, the county's finances. And there are some news articles out there saying that we may see a reduction in revenue from data centers. And so that will play a direct role in the school system budget. And so we might be having some pretty difficult conversations on, hey, how do we cut 50 to $100 million, which sounds like a lot. I mean, it's still kind of a, a small portion of our budget, but, you know, that's even $1 that's million. Dollars. Yeah. Yeah, you know, it's um, so that, that that's the big thing. Um, I, I have a lot of I mean, our budget book is about that thick. Um, we have multiple books. And so um, to me, a lot of reading, it's very tough for the public to kind of follow along with because there is just so much. There's so much money, but it's very important because it's, it's their tax dollars. It's their hard earned money. We need to be respectful and responsible with every penny of that. So that's uh, that's what's coming on the horizon. Yeah. And then for you, reelection is. November 2022, I don't know the exact date yet. Um, I haven't officially filed, but I do know that I will be, I mean, bearing some crazy life event. Um, I will be seeking re-election and hopefully just providing some stability um, for the county. I mean, it's, we, we've had four different school board members in the past six years. Oh, so the, broad, the Broad Run District has? Broad Run District, yeah. Mm. So it's... Um, it's just been a, a constant one term, one term, half a term. And I don't want, I don't want to be just a 14 yeah. month. Yeah. So it's like, I, said, I hope to really provide some stability uh, for the district and hopefully continue to be a good representative, but yeah, well, that's up to the voters to decide. Of so. course, of course. Well, hopefully it turns out well for you. We'll get you back on around that time, get you some other buzz and stuff and we'll see what goes on. Um, one thought that popped into my head about the budget stuff. I don't know if you're allowed to do this or not, but may actually I'll mention it to you offline. All right. With that, we'll wrap this up. We've been chatting for about an hour and a half. We've got a football game to watch. Of course. Yes. Go Dolphins. Um, <laughs> go, <laughs> go Dolphins. Probably better than Washington. Uh, I have no idea. Yeah. Uh, not this um, year. Fortunately. All right. And we can find your Facebook pages, Andrew Hoyler, Broad Run District. Uh, I'm going to get you the official name here because uh, 
so I, I had a campaign page, but then um, when when I was appointed, um, I, I created a new official page. So it's Andrew Hoyler dash Loudoun County School Board Member dash Broadwell District. And that's uh, where we can find all the latest um, updates for you and the school board and stuff. Yep. All the latest updates. You got it. Sweet. We'll get that link in the description. Um, anything else you want to shameless plug? <laughs> um, no, I, th- I think, uh, I think that's about it. I mean, that's, that's basically my life right now. <laughs> <laughs> Sounds good with that. We'll wrap this up. Really appreciate having you on. I really appreciate your time. Really appreciate what you're doing for, for those students. I think, um, a fresh perspective and a breath of fresh air would be would do them some good. So, really appreciate that. Keep working at it, and I'm sure all the parents are. Well, they're already telling you they're thankful. So yes, keep Most it up. Are, at least. Yeah. <laughs> Thanks for having me. Nice seeing you again. Of course, you as well. All right, we will talk to you guys later. Peace. <laughs>